Good morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, in the early days of World War II, I trapped on a beach in the north of France, surrounded by the German army on every side, hundreds of thousands of allied soldiers think they're lost forever. And truth be told, it's uh, pretty hard to overstate uh, the magnitude of this disaster that in 10 days, things could have gone so horribly wrong. But for just a minute, consider this. Two weeks ago, France was a sovereign nation. Millions of troops, French, Belgian, and British, patrolled the northern border, and everyone believed that the Nazi situation, at least for the moment, was handled. Yet in just 10 days, the German army captures the Netherlands and Belgium, moves into France, and pushes these men off the line and forces them to retreat to the little town of Dunkirk on the English Channel. France is lost. 2.2 million men are either killed or captured, and hundreds of Allied troops are surrounded on the beach, pinned down by German aircraft. They come every 30 minutes. That's how one soldier describes it, and sure, he goes on, it was a walk in the park between their raids. But every half hour, they'd light up the beach, and there wasn't a single place to find shelter. And so these men huddle on the beach, and they're, they're hoping for rescue. Yet all the while, back in Britain, their leaders believe that they are lost forever. As good as gone, someone said. But Winston Churchill, the British Prime Minister, isn't willing to count these men as lost, and so he suggests this bold and audacious plan, the evacuation of 300,000 Allied soldiers across the English Channel. And immediately he faces opposition. It'll never work. That's what his war cabinet tells him. I mean, Dunkirk is under constant attack. Its two main docks are already destroyed, and there's no way to get that many men off the beach and onto our vessels. And it's worth noting that his critics have a very credible argument. I mean, their ships really are way too deep, and the water really is way too shallow, yet Churchill is determined, we'll just take little ships, he says, Pleasure craft, motorboat. We'll take them 45 miles across the English Channel and rescue our troops. And even though it sounds crazy, even though it seems ridiculous, even though it contradicts conventional wisdom, on May 27, 1940, he executes Operation Dynamo and 850 little ships cross the English Channel and with the support of the British Navy rescue 338,000 Allied soldiers. And it's all, willing, it's all because one man is unwilling to count these men as lost forever. And in many ways, I think that's a picture of the story that we are just about to hear. Of the story about Jesus and how he is unwilling to count us as lost forever and he, how he will do whatever it takes, no matter how crazy it seems, to rescue us in a broken and hurting world. Oh, which, of course, brings us to uh, this little chapter, uh, Luke 15, and it might be a familiar passage to you, uh, often called the lost chapter, 
in the book of Luke because it tells the story of three different lost parables. And as Jesus begins to speak, uh, we learn this very important detail that sets the stage for everything that comes next. He is beginning to associate with some rather unsavory characters, people like tax collectors and sinners. And while I think it's uh, pretty easy for us uh, to accept this reality almost 2,000 years later, in Jesus' day, it was very controversial. And that's because uh, these people are considered the lowest of the low. I mean, tax collectors are these local defectors, friends, neighbors, people you knew from down the street who work for the occupying army, and they get paid by collecting your hard-earned money, skimming a little bit off the top and then passing the rest along to your Roman oppressors. And, and sinners, sinners aren't just any people who do wrong. They're people who do the worst wrong things. They steal from the poor. They peep at kids. They're the people who shamelessly discriminate against others. They have this stigma, and you can understand why the scribes and Pharisees would be a little upset because these people don't deserve anyone's attention. But Jesus is unwilling to count them as lost and will do whatever it takes to rescue them, and so he tells these two little parables. Which one of them, which one of you, he asks, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, wouldn't leave the 99 in the wilderness and go looking for the lost? I don't know about you, but uh, maybe you hear this parable and you think, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you do. But what Jesus is proposing is insanity. I mean, this isn't what you do at all. I mean, if you have, uh, for example, retirement savings and you lose 1% of it, you wouldn't risk the other 99% just to have the chance of getting that 1% back. And likewise, if you are a shepherd and you have 100 sheep and you lose one of them, you're not going to risk the 99 being out in the open, roaming off, getting eaten by wolves or wild animals, just to have the chance of getting that one sheep back. I mean, you'd cut your losses. You'd count it at loss. But this, Jesus says, this is what God is willing to do because he is unwilling to count any one or anything or any part of your lives as lost forever. You know, he's, uh, he's emphatic because he goes on and he tells a very similar parable. Uh, what woman, he asks, having ten coins and losing one of them, uh, wouldn't light a lamp, sweep the house, and search for it, and then finding it, invite all of her friends over. And maybe, again, you're uh, convinced to think that this is exactly what you do. But you don't lose 10% of your savings and invite all your friends over, blow that 10% even more, just to celebrate what you have lost and now found. But this, this, Jesus says, is what God is willing to do because he's unwilling to count anyone as lost forever. You know, I think uh, the implication is very clear for these scribes and Pharisees. These people, Jesus essentially says, tax collectors and sinners, deserve my attention because they already have God's attention. And even though it sounds crazy, even though it seems ridiculous, even though it contradicts conventional wisdom, he tells them, he shows them that he will do whatever it takes to rescue them from a broken and hurting world. Now, as many of you know, this past week was 
VBS here at St. Andrew. And uh, of the many things we do, I really love VBS. And there's something special about welcoming uh, more than 200 kids and their families uh, to come here every day for a whole week to encounter the powerful, life-changing message of Jesus. And, and, you know, it takes a lot of hands, a lot of people. And if you're involved in some way, I've got to say, uh, again, thank you. I mean, it is a big deal, and I know it makes a big difference in the lives of these families. And if you happen to be here this past week at VBS... Uh, then what you might already know is that this year's theme was that Jesus rescues. Uh, that when we are lonely, Jesus rescues. That when we are worried, Jesus rescues. Uh, that when we are struggling or doing wrong or powerless, Jesus rescues. And there's a really great illustration at the beginning of uh, the week. I told the kids, sometimes we feel lost. And it's like no one notices. Or like no one cares. And to illustrate this point, I handed out these things uh, called cool cubes. And the thing about cool cubes is that they look like ice, but they're not ice. Uh, They're made of gelatin, and they have this really interesting property that when you put them in water, a jar of water, uh, they disappear, completely gone. You can't even see them. And so I told the kids, you know, sometimes we feel lost, and it's like no one notices. And I put a cool cube in this jar of water, and it disappears. I say, sometimes uh, you might be in a big crowd of people, but you feel completely alone. I take one of these cool cubes and I I put it in the jar of water and disappears. I say, sometimes you're good at something, maybe an instrument or a sport, uh, but it's like no one cares. And I take a cool cube and I put it in this jar of water and it disappears. And I said, you know, it looks like no one notices. It looks like no one cares. But God notices. God cares. I reached my hand into this uh, jar of water and I I pulled these cool cubes out of it. It was really a whole lot of fun. And as I've been uh, thinking about this illustration, as I've been thinking about this reading, as I've been thinking about the fact that Jesus rescues when we are lost, it strikes me that, that sometimes our lives look like this. I mean, it is so easy to get lost in these subtle ways. It's so easy to get lost and be convinced that no one notices, that no one cares. Or that whatever it is that makes you feel lost is unimportant. And so maybe you you got the job that you've always wanted, and now that you have it, you find yourself feeling a little lost and wondering what comes next. Or, you know, maybe uh, you've got a couple of kids at home, and they are the center of your world. But somewhere between uh, soccer practice and piano lessons, you find yourself feeling a little lost and wondering, you know, is this all there is? Or perhaps you've just retired and it's something you've been looking forward to for years, giving up that commute. Uh, But now a couple of months in, you find yourself feeling lost and wondering, wow, what now? You know, I think in moments like these that it is so easy to believe so easy to be convinced that no one notices, that no one cares, that that life, your life, really isn't that important, and these things don't really matter to God. But this is why Jesus tells these two parables. Because God notices. God cares. And he doesn't just illustrate it with these parables. He doesn't just hand out a couple of cool cubes. He gives his life to show you that there is nothing that he won't do 
no matter how crazy it is, to rescue you. Now, if it hadn't been for Operation Dynamo, uh, there's a good chance that history would have looked very different. And while historians uh, like to debate what that would have looked like, uh, what we do know is this. Operation Dynamo changes the lives of 338,000 Allied soldiers. And what strikes me today is that uh, just because they are found doesn't mean that they're taken out of the war. But it does mean that they fight the war very differently. And I think the same is true for us. You see, just because we are found in Jesus doesn't mean uh, that we are taken out of this world. But it does mean that we experience it very differently. And it's because our God is unwilling to count anyone or anything or any part of our lives as lost. And so when you feel like uh, no one notices, when you feel like no one cares, when you feel like your life is unimportant, Jesus speaks these parables to you. I notice, he says. I care, and your life is really important. And that's what gives us uh, meaning and purpose when we least expect it. That's what enables us to face any and every challenge, and that is, quite honestly, what changes everything about all of us. And so as you face uh, this day and all the rest, I pray God's blessings on you. Uh, because in Christ, you are never lost, but always found, and deeply loved by the one who comes and does whatever it takes, no matter how crazy it seems, to rescue you. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.